We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Training camp battles that will shift the fantasy landscape in 2022 on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz, joined by Curtis Patrick. We are talking about some of these training camp battles tonight, Curtis. It's that time of year where things really start heating up. Preseason games are in full swing. A lot of training camp news coming out. I am currently drafting in an expert auction uh, for the huddle of USA Today. Well, we record this episode, so there's just a lot going on. How are you doing, my friend? What I heard is that I'm kind of running this one solo Absolutely. after you enter the episode. Basically, yes. Um, thanks for the heads up, man. Appreciate that. Uh, it's very appropriate that you're doing your uh, USA Today auction draft um, tonight because earlier this week, your 2022 Rotovis auction draft strategy guide uh, released, and that's always a big hit. Um, with the readers on the site, if if you're a, uh, an avid listener of the podcast and, and you've missed that on the site, or you know maybe you're not a rotoviz.com subscriber, but you play in an auction style league, I mean, Dave's had a lot of really cool research over the years. Um, he he puts out one of these kind of um, I don't know what I would call uh, almost like an auction draft bible every year. Yep. I mean, it's got multiple layers of strategy and commandments that you got to keep in mind when you go into one of these things and having just done an auction myself last weekend, um, have been quickly reminded about, you know, how quickly things can change in that room, whether it's a virtual auction, you know, online or whether you're actually doing it live. Um, it's easy to get pushed off plan. I think Dave, I think your notes are among the best that I've read over the years and appreciated that article. So our premium email subscribers got a little sneak peek of that the other day. Uh, but if you're not a Rotoviz subscriber, I mean, this is one of the reasons that that you would want to sign up this year. So uh, I believe it's still on the front page. Um, yep. It's one of our more recent articles this week. So you can check that out. Go to rotoviz.com uh, and sign up today and you can check that out. So Dave, while you're holding it down, um, you know, doing the draft, you know, maybe you can chime in with any big wins that you got, any, any yep. values or any heartbreaking players that you lose out on. Uh, but we're going to do a quick once around around some of the really interesting uh, 
training camp battles that are going on right now. We want to talk about the Bills offense, uh, particularly the wide receiver position. We're going to hit the Dolphins backfield as well as the Texans backfield and what's going on in Pittsburgh. You know, George Pickens kind of emerging, but we also have some other athletic wide receivers there and the quarterback change. There's a lot of really cool battles to keep track of beyond um, the emerging players that that we uh, cut up earlier this week on the show. So really looking forward to getting into this tonight. Yeah, for sure. I think that there's a couple of players that we're going to touch upon that are pretty exciting. I don't really think I was exaggerating that much in the uh, opening to the show by saying that I think these will really shift things for a number of teams. If some of these players work out in the fashion that their managers are hoping and they hit, I think there's going to be big, big ramifications. But I would imagine that before we get into this, you probably have a FFPC stat attack that is highly related to what we're talking about. Yeah, good call, man. I've always got an FFPC stat attack. Of course, brought to you by myffpc.com, the home of uh, high stakes fantasy football and all of its glorious forms. We got the main event on on uh, on full tilt right now, um, chasing a huge one million dollar top prize for the winner. We've got multiple best ball tournaments, including a super flex format this year, and then you've got the FFPC. Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty format available to you at myffpc.com. Well, today's episode, our stat attack, is actually on one of the players that we'll cut up today, Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert goes over to Miami. Did you know, Dave, that he has five consecutive seasons, despite his injuries and his and his lack of availability? Raheem Mostert has five straight seasons with positive fantasy points over expectation. Wow, that I actually, that is really difficult. I am it is actually really shocked by that. Do. Yes, because very yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Very few players actually do that, and he does not profile in my mind like one of those guys. No, he's not a huge receiving back. Um, you know, Blair Andrews he has lots of famous work on you know the importance of efficiency at the the running back uh, position and chasing that. And you know, these players typically get less efficient as they're as their volume increases. Um, but, you know, Mostert's just one of these guys that, you know, maybe it's because he's kind of like lightning in a pan. Uh, you know, he plays like half a season typically and he can go full tilt and then, you know, then he's gone. Yep. Uh, but man, when he's out there, you know, it's really exciting. So yeah, five straight seasons dating back to 2017 for him Mostert with positive uh, fantasy points over expectation. More on that later in the episode. But Dave, let's start out with the Buffalo Bills wide receiver room. For sure. So one of the emerging stories from there is who is actually going to end up playing in the slot. You know, earlier on uh, the best ball season, especially an underdog, you know, Jamison Crowder was a player that you were excited about sneaking in there late. We started to see Isaiah McKenzie come into the fold. They're an offense that has a number of talented players, especially now bringing in the rookie. And we also have a contest in the backfield. But let's talk about those wide receivers yeah, so let's flip over to underdog. Um, you know, we, we got to get a focus episode here on what's going on in Best Ball Mania 3. So I'm in here in our underdog ADP tools on the site. And, you know, these players have flipped, man. These players flipped their ADP about a week ago. So it's, it's you know, people are getting wise to this thing. So dating back to May, all Best Ball offseason, Jamison Crowder getting drafted about... You know, 
back in May, about two rounds earlier than Isaiah McKenzie. And he widened that gap to almost six rounds. Um, Jamison Crowder was bumping up around an ADP of 130 in uh, mid-June to mid-July. Then things start to change. You start to get some of the positive reports on McKenzie and his rapport with Josh Allen, the snap rate in camp. You know, Crowder a little bit ouchy, nothing new for him to have a soft tissue aggravation in the summer. And man, about the end of the first week of August, we see the guys cross. I'm looking at a beautiful chart uh, in our ADP tools here. And now it's McKenzie going at about 150 overall and underdog ADP and Crowder just hurling towards an ADP of 180 after being up in the 120s just, you know, about two months ago. So these guys have flipped, you know, I think drafters are getting this right at this point, you know, as exciting um, as it, as excited as we were about Crowder, that was really all related to the fact that Cole Beasley, who, you know, was kind of a compiler uh, in, in multiple spots in his career, you know, in, in Dallas and in Buffalo, you know, getting good separation, but really not being like a difference making player was able to basically be a back end wide receiver three with Josh Allen the last couple of years when he's available. So, you know, either one of these guys being even more athletic than Cole Beasley you know, what could they do, you know, with a similar role? That's why, you know, I think the community was on Crowder early and now is on McKenzie. So, you know, I think the question that I would pose to you, Dave, after saying that yep. I am on McKenzie at this 13, around uh, 13 ADP, uh, are, where are you at on that? You know, round 13 is an interesting round uh, from an opportunity cost perspective. You're getting, you know, potentially your tight end to there. If you wait a little bit on, on QB2, sometimes you can even still get, uh, like a Matt Ryan there. If you took a really elite quarterback early, maybe you're comfortable leaving with him as your QB two. And it's also a, a range where you're taking guys, you know, swings on guys like George Pickens, uh, Isaiah Pacheco that we talked about earlier this week. Those are the guys that are in that range. So uh, what are your thoughts on, on McKenzie now that he's usurped Crowder in ADP? Yeah. And I actually had talked a little bit about McKenzie back on a show where I did a solo pod and I had talked about the fact that historically, if you look at a player like McKenzie and him becoming a thing at this point in his career, it doesn't really tend to happen that often that when you look back at what happened last year, they're really the only thing of substance more or less was that game against new England, where there were certain situations in that secondary that really set mm. up well for him to have a very stellar game there. So from a redraft perspective, if I'm just drafting a redraft team, maybe in like the main event, FF, uh, you know, football guys, players championship on FFPC, I'm not super interested in him. However, in underdog drafts in round 13, despite knowing that in my head, Curtis, and being a little leery, I feel like it is at an appropriate spot where you go ahead and you chase some of that upside, get into that solid Bills offense. And I mean, I understand some of the arguments that you could make uh, for McKenzie and supporting drafting him. So I guess what I'm getting at here is in those specific drafts, I have found myself coming over the line and drafting McKenzie a little bit more than I thought that I would, you know, for some of the, you know, upside driven type of reasons. So I feel like we've reached the point where, you know, I wouldn't want to see him go too much further. I wouldn't want to be overexposed at this spot, but I don't entirely hate it. And I kind of get it. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the thought with McKenzie too, you know, you get a, a piece of a high powered bills offense that, you know, you, 
Like, yes, there's a special set of circumstances in that New England game last year that led McKenzie to score 29 PPR. Um, but, you know, if, if he were to actually have a, a more hardwired role, you know, perhaps we could get a few more of those boom games mm-hmm. um, from him at this um, still, you know, relatively discounted ADP. But, of course, you know, with everything, it's, okay, n- now if we're on the idea of McKenzie and the Buffalo offense, who are other wide receivers available in this range? that you need to compare them to. Um, there are a couple other guys that sometimes are still available at this ADP that I would prefer instead. But if you are looking for that wide receiver seven, you know, potentially right. wide receiver six, depending on your early construct at this juncture, you know, he is a guy um, that provides some utility uh, this year, I think. But KJ Osborne um, has an ADP within about six spots of McKenzie. I would still prefer KJ Osborne. I think he'll have a more... Uh, uh, projectable week to week role. I do think that he will be the third uh, most targeted player in the Vikings offense where, you know, McKenzie might be the fourth, you know, you would figure maybe that Dawson Knox would out target McKenzie potentially uh, at least early in the season. You know, Jarvis Landry is now going below where McKenzie is. And I know that, you know, the emergence of Chris Olave and, you know, it looks like Michael Thomas is, you know, healthy enough uh, to get some snaps. So, you know, our early season, early draft season excitement about Landry, you know, he's, he continues to be a discount. I still prefer Landry to McKenzie, I think. Oh yeah. But I, then I, you're I getting, do too. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then you're getting into Nico Collins as the potential two and in, in Houston uh, and KJ Hamler. So these are some of the other guys available in that range. I think it's fine to kind of mix McKenzie in, but I'm not like hammering him over right. any of these other guys. Right. So I think that we're pretty aligned there on how you approach a player like that. Uh, so I think that takes us through Buffalo. Any closing thoughts there? If not, there's a wide receiver battle that I'm really interested in getting your take on. And that brings us to Pittsburgh, an offense that historically mm. has been a hotbed of fantasy activity from the wide receiver position. Not as much from Juju Smith-Schuster in recent years as I would have liked. But we have Deontay Johnson and another hotshot young rookie here in George Pickens. Coming in, now I will say that I actually did like his profile. There's a lot of hype rising now, uh, but I think that if we just take a quick step back before I let you speak some on this, I think we should point out that, you know, we thought Pickens was a pretty solid prospect, right? Oh, yeah. The the questions were around the the injuries. You know, when we had our uh, rookie draft guide ranking summit, you know, all the way back for volume one um, in early January, um, we had this conversation, um, you know, it was, it was you and me and Blair uh, Andrews and Travis May and Sean Siegel having this conversation about, you know, where would George Pickens be ranked if he had been healthy? Now, I mean, you know, you can, you can have that conversation, but then again, you know, you, he wasn't healthy. Um, so you did, so you didn't get to see what it would look like if he had remained healthy. And at that time we didn't, I don't have landing spot or draft capital, you know, in the profile, all we had is kind of that early college, um, dominance that he showed and then you know him getting pushed off plan and off development because of you know his inavailability um but yeah like from a pure talent perspective i mean he's as good as anybody in the draft and you know now yeah. that he is healthy um you know and he's in a room you know in pittsburgh where you know there's some opportunity available but i mean he's competing against some really talented players to your point i mean chase claypool one of the most athletic wide receivers to come out in the draft in recent years and of course, Deontay Johnson, one of the foremost target hogs uh, in the NFL, 
um, over the last couple of seasons and, you know, even projecting forward. So it is an interesting room. And I, I do think it makes sense to, to think about all three of the receivers, even though their, their ADPs, you know, are, are pretty gapped. Mm-hmm. You know, Deontay Johnson has uh, lost a little bit of ground, um, become more of a discount. You know, he's going more at that four or five turn on underdog in the last couple of weeks, whereas he was more of a mid fourth to even sometimes early fourth round pick um, over the previous cor- uh, couple months. You know, I think the, the lack of clarity around his availability and him not participating in camp, you know, early on is what drove that down. But then you also had that kind of overlapping in the last couple of weeks with the emergence of Pickens and all these highlights that we're seeing all over social and then him looking good in the first preseason game. You know, he's really, he's really skyrocketing. You know, he, he went from about, you know, 175 and ADP right at the end of July uh, to now where uh, he is going in round 10 or 11 often uh, on, on underdog over the course of last week. And it doesn't really seem to be slowing down. I think he's going to pass Claypool in the next week, unless Claypool pops in the next uh, preseason game. You know, Claypool is, is locked in around one Oh five right now. Um, It is interesting to note that uh, Steelers beats were saying, you know, just today, as I was prepping for the pod and looking at this, uh, they were saying that Trubisky was actually looking good with all three of these wide receivers, but his strongest connection today and practice was with Claypool. Um, so, you know, now we're seeing some of these practices against other teams and, and simulated game environments. And, you know, I think Claypool being a veteran in the league for a couple of years, who's developed, you know, this is a chance for him to get some rapport with that quarterback as well. So maybe the emergence of all three of these players as still, you know, potentially being good. It takes us all the way back to our, our thoughts in the spring that, you know, Claypool, Johnson, Najee even uh, Pat Fryermuth, all these guys were still pretty exciting yeah. fantasy assets with busted Ben Roethlisberger. Yep. And so really them getting his, you know, broken elbow out of the picture and switching over to any quarterback, you know, that's basically above a fungible level of talent would, would propel the whole offense forward. And, you know, I'm starting to, you know, be reminded of those conversations and, and, and getting back on, you know, all of these players, of course, it's easy to want to chase Pickens because he's a sexy name right now, but you know, Johnson and Claypool are probably the relative values because there's not as much buzz about those guys. So I, I would advocate for mixing all of these guys up, you know, having an even exposure uh, to all of them. You know, I, I, I think it'll be tough for Pickens to actually just completely push Claypool out of the picture. And I imagine that they'll, you know, situationally be, you know, sharing some snap share, Johnson will be insulated from some of that. And, and, you know, perhaps he's, maybe he's the major target out of them just because of his target share over the past couple of years. So I'm going to rank like in order of attractiveness, Deontay still being number one, probably Pickens as long as he's cheaper than Claypool. Um, but, you know, that might go away to the point where maybe it would make sense to get on Claypool here another week or two from now. Where are you at on these guys? Yeah, I would put it in the same order. Um, I had talked maybe two weeks ago about if you look at the way that players stack up in projectable volume, intersect that with their ADP, that both of those top two at the time, Claypool and Deontay Johnson, looked like attractive options coming at somewhat of a discount Mm. from that standpoint. Although I do think that Pickens is going to plastic past Claypool, and I don't mind it because I think in my mind uh, there's a little bit more upside, if you will, for Pickens 
at this point. I think Claypool really came into the league hot early on. We haven't seen him really return on that quite as much. I do think that he could be solid, but I think at this point, if he were going to attain um, reaching certain heights that are going to be that much higher than where we currently see him draft. I think with him and Pickens being in the same area, it's more likely to be Pickens. So I'll, you know, put my eggs in the basket with the younger player here that has a chance to come out and prove himself. But the good thing is I think they're still all going Mm -hmm. at points in the draft where you're really not overpaying and they can all still succeed. That's really the takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're locked up on that. Um, a fun note, uh, just kind of sharing something from the Rotoviz prospect box score scout. Um, the number one uh, closest sim for Pickens, and of course, you know he is a little bit of a tough eval from a college production standpoint. But you know we have his athleticism, we have his weight, we have his his career and his peak uh, production information. His number one sim, Robert Woods, uh, pretty pretty cool player uh, to have as your top match. Um, interestingly, Deontay Johnson also shows up within his top five <laughs> uh, closest Sims. We we see uh, Amon Ross St. Brown in there and Randall Cobb uh, as well. So these are players that, you know, were all productive, you know, early in their NFL careers. We also have about five massive whiffs. So <laughs> um, we'll see the, the guys that were, were misses uh, in his top 10 Sim list, though. Um, it looks like most of them were actually drafted in round three or four. Uh, and of course, you know, Pickens went in the second round. So um, that is a, a little bit reassuring. So our takeaway here, target all Steelers wide receivers while they remain discounted. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. For sure. So let's transition. We've been talking about wide receivers. There are, though, a number of interesting camp battles occurring right now within running backs. Now, a team that we've talked about uh, some of their players, and you mentioned in the stat attack, we have to talk about the Miami Dolphins. You and I have both talked about Chase Edmonds, getting him on to some of those underdog Ross or yeah, those underdog rosters. I think we did a couple of best ball mania threes where we may have gone ahead and mutually put him on our squads. So you have 
Sony Michelle, who had a little bit of life last year in Los Angeles. You have Edmonds coming over and Raheem Mostert, who you mentioned. Break this down for us. Maybe give us some perspective of where your head is at here. I mean, I'm I'm still on I'm still on Edmonds for sure. I'm I'm actually going into uh, the underdog app right now to check my exposure. Um, I am about you know double weighted on him. I'm, I've got 15 percent exposure. Uh, to chase Edmonds in the post NFL draft tournament. So that's a, you know, mix yep. of about 150 drafts for me, you know, between best ball mania three puppy one and puppy two. Um, I also maxed out the Pomeranian that opened up the other day. Uh, but none of those have actually closed, but I do have a couple uh, shares of uh, Edmonds in those drafts already as well. You know, so I'm still on it here. You know, they, they paid him. Um, and I think he does profile as the guy that's going to get the receiving work. So like, even if you know, we had a situation where Mostert emerged as an early down banger or Sony Michelle did, maybe uh, if he can hang on and make the team, you know, I think Edmonds is a player while he remains available in rounds nine through 11 uh, in the drafts that I'm going, you know, he, he does have pretty wide um, uh, standard deviation in his ADP right now. You can get him in multiple rounds. I'm going to continue to take it because I mean, you don't need them to score 250 points for him to be a value there. You just need him to have some of these big weeks and, you know, have enough of a floor that he can mix into your flex, even if he's not starting as a, you know, in one of your running back spots in the format. Um, however, I've in the last month, I have started to to have some drafts where I've taken Raheem Mostert in the round 17 or round 18. You know, he, he's been healthy. He's been involved and, you know, the reports are that all of that speed is there. You know, he's famously registered some of the fastest uh, miles per hour uh, uh, metrics uh, since, you know, the tracking chips were uh, made available the last couple of years. And it looks like all that speed is back. You know, he has a report coming over, uh, previous career report with Mike McDaniel. So you got to think, I mean, he's going to get some shots. And I mean, when mostert has been healthy, like we said, He's been an efficiency, uh, an efficient fantasy asset. So when you can get him as a, just a home run pick at the end of the draft, I mean, I really like this situation because if Edmonds gets ouchy and Mostert gets a couple starts, like in that final round, like he is the type of player that could give you some 20 point outbursts uh, on that team. And honestly, man, I don't even mind like drafting both of the players. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I'm not really an advocate for, for cuffing. And I'm not even sure that this would be considered a handcuff situation. It's a situation where both players, neither one really profiles as a true bell cow and either one could get injured or, you know, both of them could have defined roles and they might alternate weeks to where you're actually using both players throughout the course of the season. Um, And it wouldn't surprise me to see either or both of these guys on Sean's zero RB list when it comes out. Um, you know, they both profile pretty interestingly Edmonds because he has that receiving profile and, you know, a history of, of production, you know, when he gets the opportunity and then most are just because, I mean, like the guy literally is just a big play waiting to happen every time he touches the ball. So, uh, it's a battle. It's a battle for snap share. Um, I think what I'm looking to see is can Mostert actually get the one B role and, and not you know, be pushed out by Sony Michelle or Miles Gaskin because I'm just not, you know, I want it. I just want it to be Mostert. I think it would be the most exciting thing, but you know, Michelle has gotten the pedestrian production over the course of the past couple of seasons. And really 
if Mostert were to lose that, you know, secondary role to either of the other two guys, as long as their ADP was kind of where Mostert's been, you know, at the end of the draft or free, you know, I would just kind of switch my exposure to that other guy. So really the takeaway is I don't see Edmonds rising in ADP due to the inferred role uh, to make him not be an attractive target throughout the rest of the draft season. But again, I think Miami will be one of the more productive rushing attacks in the NFL this year because of what we know. And I mean, every single player that you can invest in is available at a huge discount if you believe that to be true, that they will be a top rushing attack. So I don't think you can really go wrong. You know, it's almost like we've been talking to each other about fantasy football a couple times a week for a couple of years now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, because yeah. like I don't know how much I have to add other than I actually have been sprinkling in an, a fair amount of Sony Michelle as well because I think that <laughs> I think but, that but Michelle yeah, is it. competent enough that when he's the a running back on this, albeit you know, kind of jam packed roster here, where if the Dolphins do take a step forward as an off which I expect. I think there should be some quality opportunities in there. Um, and I think that he could make the most of those if given the chance. And the same thing really is going with him and Mostert where it's coming so late that it just makes sense to go ahead and try to take some of that upside. Uh, the great yeah. thing about the situation, even though it makes it hard to identify who the guy is, we have not seen any of them get to the point where I feel like they're out of the range that's reasonable for them. So, uh, no I have been, I've been, been close, man. Yeah. So I like it. I've been going after these guys. I also just got Jalen Waddle at what I think is a pretty big discount, um, in this auction that I'm in. So, you know, I have a lot of Miami this year, which is something that is, is new, new for me. Let's test it just a little bit. You know, Edmonds, uh, Edmonds has been on the rise, um, over the past couple weeks, but you know, he's still going, you know, in that ninth round range, um, typically, but he still hasn't passed Clyde Edwards Elaire in ADP, you know, and I, I don't really know how their situations are all that different. Um, to me, Edmonds feels like a better bet at this point, to be honest. Um, so, you know, that's just an example of another player, you know, available in the range. And we kind of did that exercise with the, with the running back. So I just want to, or with the wide receiver. So I just want to kind of quickly pull that up and, and talk through a couple of these other options. Sure. Um, you've, you've got Clyde edwards Alaire going about a half around earlier than Edmonds at this point. Other backs in the range. Do you prefer Edmonds to Miles Sanders right now? I do. Yeah, me too. Um, I think it's without a doubt that we would both prefer Edmonds to Antonio Gibson, who I'm pretty sure is just shopping for Rivera's groceries at this point. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, one that's a little tougher for me um, is Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, they have almost identical ADPs and uh, I'm pretty excited about him maybe winning that role. And he's got, you know, the, he's got that nice, you know, mix of size and speed uh, does profile like a back maybe that could totally take over the new England backfield a little bit more than we would think Edmonds could, uh, could do. What do you think about those two guys? Yeah. You know, I think that Stevenson definitely, um, you know, gets interesting. Uh, I know there's talk about him kind of taking over the role there in New England, but I think the reality is his situation in New England's not that different than what we see with Edmonds in Miami, where there's going to be a couple of backs all vying for work. It might be hard to know even week to week who that player is going to be. So I would say that yeah. between him and Edmonds, I it's it's very similar for me. I don't have a strong lean either way. 
Um, we like them both. I like, we like them, them both. both better than Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and Antonio Gibson. I might like Ceh a little bit more. Okay. Than them. Than Stevenson. Than Stevenson. Yep. Okay. Uh, two more to go. Th- uh, two more to check here that are going after Edmonds. Actually, uh, Kareem Hunt and Rashad Penny. Well, Kareem Hunt, before he was asking for the trade. Uh, when there may have been a different situation at quarterback, I would have said, but, um, you know, currently now I think I got a slot hunt in behind Edmonds. Uh, same. Yeah. What about Penny? Penny's going almost a full round. He's a full round below Edmonds at this point. Which I think definitely tells you something about what you people should be doing with Penny. I do think though, I give a slight lean to Edmonds. Yeah, uh, but Penny also a good target, you know, at the at the, the ADP For now. Sure. So, okay, well, that's good. I mean, the point was really to talk about, you know, all these guys being targets in uh, the uncertain backfield that is Miami. Um, it's uncertain, but we think it will be very productive. Uh, but then, you know, obviously, if you take Edmonds, you know, you got to have this difficult choice between other backs who also have a, an upside case. You know, if you want to take Michelle or if you want to take Mostert, you know, it's the end of the draft. I mean, you're taking them over, you know, fantasy street free agents. So it's a little bit easier to mix that in if you want a piece of that backfield. Definitely. Um, there is one more item that we had on the docket, Curtis. Uh, I just was Houston able to, Texans. Yes, let's talk about them. Also, I have to share, I'm pretty happy that I just got a tremendous discount on Chris Godwin. So I'm feeling good over here. And you're going to have to start talking because I'm oh about to try to get Keenan Allen. Oh, go, go get it, man. Um, so the reason I just wanted to mix in a little bit of Texans here is because we have an opportunity to talk about a player we haven't uh, mentioned much on the podcast over uh, best ball draft season to date. You know, Damian Pierce looking uh, like a just total wrecking ball um, in his first preseason action with the Texans. And, you know, you're starting to hear a little bit more positive chatter about the Texans in general. Um, you know, the team, you know, leaking a lot of, um, confidence in Davis Mills. Davis Mills seems to have a little swagger to him at this point, saying the team's going to come out and shock the world this year. Uh, you know, you got to believe that about yourself. You know, I talked for two years on this podcast at this point, basically about staying positive and um, going after it. So, you know, I appreciate that Davis believes in himself. I don't know what shock the world means. It might mean six <laughs> wins instead of two. Um, but, you know, hey, what, whatever that is, you know, you got to get out there and you got to believe in yourself. But um, if if the offense you know, does take a step forward. I mean, player like Pierce could, you know, really uh, be a nice value right now. You know, his ADP has bounced a little bit. You know, he was going in round 11, pretty much just, you know, consistently dating back to May, you know, really since the NFL draft, uh, he went from not really being on the radar to going straight to round 11. And he stayed there unwaveringly until uh, that preseason game. And now he's creeping up into the, you know, 100 to 110 range um, of drafts. So, you know, getting into that ninth round, you know, he's he's in that area in the last week of some of these other backs that we actually just talked about. Uh, going within a, a round of Rashad Penny, um, going within a round of Kareem Hunt. So just in that next layer down. I think the questions that I would have is, you know, how much of the role would they really give to a guy like Pierce? Mm-hmm. But even if he's just an early down pounder, if he's going to run like he ran in first preseason week and give us the type of, of touchdown rate 
that he had at Florida. And that's really like the remarkable metric that he had was the number of touchdowns that he scored on so few touches. Um, you know, if he brings some of that, you know, he could be a nice value here, even though he, you know, he may not profile as a complete back um, early in his career. So uh, I just wanted a chance to kind of mix Pierce in, you know, it is one of those other uncertain backfields, you know, not a backfield that is as exciting, you know, as Miami or as Kansas city. And it's kind of a forgotten team there. And, and, you know, they're buried in the AFC South, but, you know, two months ago, we're kind of thinking, you know, what is this like, is it Rex Burkhead season again? Um, you know, it's just, it doesn't surprise me that, that Pierce is emerging at this point because there's, you know, we basically have Marlon Mack returning from, you know, a slew of injuries and, you know, some pretty bad ones uh, over the past couple of years. And then, and Burkhead basically being like an NFL man of the year type candidate, but not really all that talented on the field anymore. So um, Pierce, you know, I like, I don't mind him in this range, but you're still, you know, selecting Pierce now. He's going in front of Melvin Gordon. I don't know that I really like that. You know, he's going in front of Daryl Henderson and uh, Cordero Patterson. You know, yeah, that feels pretty rich, you know, uh, and particularly against Gordon and Henderson, who are in good offenses that are going to have complementary roles. And and they've been, you know, they've proven it over the course of their career. I don't think I mind Pierce going in front of Patterson quite as much. The team could opt to use him uh, as a wide receiver a little bit more this year, you know, with the emergence of either Damian Williams or Ty- Tyler Algier uh, and Mariota, maybe even running the ball a little bit. So, uh, you know, that's kind of where Pierce is slotting in. Is he interesting to you at this point now that he looks like he's he's going to win this job in Houston, Dave? Yeah, I think that he is. And that's because the expectations, I think, from the community overall haven't gotten out of hand, which I think is helped by the fact that, you know, he's in Houston, a team that doesn't have the sexiest offense right now. But like you said, I think that there's things that you can point to in his production profile from college that do make him Uh, exciting in the confines of whatever this role could be there, not really dealing with too much competition. So with where his ADP is currently, yeah, I mean, I'm actually buying into it. He's one of the few cases where we start to see things coming out of camp news. We see things in the preseason and a picture comes together that makes sense for me of how this player could be successful with where I will be able to put him onto my team. So I like it. I'm looking at the uh, risers and fallers tool uh, within our under underdog ADP suite and Damian Pierce has risen the fourth most of any running back over the, the last three weeks. Obviously, Isaiah Pacheco, number one, uh, going from undrafted to, you know, round 13. This is 62.3 rise in ADP. Brian Robinson, um, not necessarily because he's looked so good, but Antonio Gibson looking so bad, uh, you know, has really taken off over the last two weeks. Zamir White with a 35.2 rise in daily ADP. Um you know, still discounted, but then you see Pierce, you know, risen two rounds uh, since August 1st. And uh, I, I I do remember this soundbite. Uh, you know, I, I missed on Alvin Kamara when he came out because he actually had a little bit of the same concerns um, that, that Pierce had. You know, it's like, yep. you know, he, he, he looked uh, good and you couldn't kind of get your eyes off of him in games, but you know, Kamara never really earned that role. And it's like, you know, he's playing in Tennessee, should have been able to do that. You know, Pierce playing for a bad Florida team, like the other backs in the room doesn't really make sense why they would hold him down. Um, you know, but he's popping in some of these efficiency metrics. And you know, I said, you know, I wouldn't miss on Pierce like I missed on Kamara. And if there was a Kamara in this draft, you know, perhaps it was Pierce. So thankfully, 
a lot of dynasty exposure to him uh, in the third rounds of drafts, in particular from dynasty drafts that occurred before the NFL draft. So, um, you know, learning from my own, you know, mistakes in the past is put me on Pierce and I'll be able to enjoy his breakout, regardless of the fact that I don't have much best ball exposure yet. Of course, I'll be mixing it in now um, that we've seen a little bit of a sample size. Sure. So great to break down these camp battles. Obviously, we're going to have to keep paying attention uh, to everything that's going on in camp coming out of these preseason games. And we're going to have a lot to talk about between now and the start of the season. Curtis, I have not put you on the spot for some Friday thoughts in a while. Doesn't need to be anything too major. Just get us pumped up for this fantasy football season. Man, it's the year we are going to win. Like me, you, these listeners, I mean, we're going to win, man. We're going to, we're going to win a lot of leagues this year. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to really bring it home. I mean, we've been just grinding and pounding away at this, uh, you know, three times a week, you know, since January and the stars are aligning. I mean, we've put in the work and it's not even just with the work that we've been doing on this podcast, Dave, you know, it's the work of the rest of the guys on the site. I mean, the analysis that Sean and Ben are pumping out every week on stealing bananas um, what you're getting from Calm and and Sean on overtime, all the great articles, the tools, the the structural based approach, um, you know, the strategic planning that we put in place, like everything that rotoviz.com represents, it's putting you as a listener in the driver's seat uh, to obtain success this year. Uh, you just got to execute. So, you know, don't get lazy. Don't get lackadaisical. I mean, these last couple of weeks, there's wild changes in ADP. Uh, you got to stay involved in drafts. Like, don't stop drafting. Uh, whether it's whether it's Best Ball Mania 3, whether it's the FFPC formats, you've got to continue to give yourself some swings, give yourself some chances. I mean, I wholeheartedly believe that we're going to see Rotoviz listeners, you know, win a six-figure prize this year. 100% it's going to happen. I mean, we took first and second in uh, the best ball tournament on FFPC last year. We had a top 25 finish in best ball mania two. I mean, it might be in the main event. You know, we've had multiple top 15 finishes in the past couple of years uh, from our analysts. I mean, these are just our analysts I'm talking about. I mean, let alone all the exposure that we have throughout our subscribers and our listeners, it's going to happen. So I want you to get out there, you know, keep you know, churning in those lobbies, keep listening to the content, keep checking the site. We've got a lot more exciting stuff coming for you in the next three weeks before kickoff. And you don't want to miss your chance. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.